coming up this week. Off screen. Jeremy Renner takes us to Wind River. Sure, William Scott's goon becomes the last of the enforcers. Terror lies in the vault. We get inseriated. And the work begins behind bars. All those to come and more. Off screen. This is. This is Off Screen. Off Screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. I am Case Allen. Welcome back, Mr. Allen. How was your uh, you. How was your fortnight off? fine fortnight week it's 10 days i suppose something like that uh, it's, it's pretty close to a fortnight let's say it's pretty close, yeah, it's pretty close. What's, what's a couple of days uh, between friends a couple of days. well I've, I've traveled the length of the country several times since then it's, it's, been, it's not been what, fun what have, what have you seen i've i've seen films and we'll talk about some of them how about that that sounds because that that's fun. what happens in this show exactly so um we need some news to uh, to kick us off to start the week and uh, well you know what it's it's been like a whole month uh, since we lost a star wars director so mm. have you got anything in that range that you could uh, you could yeah off um actually we've lost another star wars director have we yeah that's for two um, yeah so when i saw uh, the book of henry a I couple of weeks that, ago yeah, i texted yeah. you saying so how long is it going to be until colin trevorrow drops out of star wars turns out about two months. About two months. Yeah. It was that bad, though, to be fair. Book of Henry was uh, just a train wreck. I hated it so much, I think I liked it. I think I went all the way back around. <laughs> swung all the way back around <laughs> to liking it. Mm. So Colin Trevorrow was going to do episode nine. Episode nine. And now he has not released a, a statement, a joint statement between him and Lucasfilm, saying, uh, Colin is a wonderful partner, and thank you so much for everything you've helped. Is this the actual? This sounds like the actual statement, but you're reading it from memory. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm reading it. I've remembered. I'm not reading it from You've memory. Remembered an awfully elaborate, what? very polite press release. There. As if you can remember things that you've read. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just remember we called him wonderful, and I thought that was Hollywood speak for. He's fine. He's, he's he's just fine. Yeah, but he's no Ryan Johnson, who apparently they want to stick around. Well, he's not the only director we've not had major falling out with. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's five Star Wars movies they had in development, and they've kicked directors off three of them now. So who is? Are, are we counting Miller, we, Miller and Lord as one? Miller and Lord we count as one. Uh, so they got kicked off of Han Solo. Josh Trank got kicked off of what was believed to be the Boba Fett movie that yeah, would have followed Rogue Stand One. Alone spin-off. Yeah, and and now of course uh, Colin Trevor as well. Yeah. So wow. Okay. This experimental, we're not afraid to indulge filmmakers Star Wars universe project is is tanking a little bit. Yeah, I think if Ryan uh, if uh, Ryan Johnson doesn't come back for Episode Nine, I think we could just give it to Ron Howard. Well, that's it. I mean, it's, it's going to be him or one of the Kasdans. It's going to be a Kasdan. I mean, somebody give John Favreau a Star Wars film. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's, he's the kind of non-boat rocker who they seem to absolutely like. You know. Yeah, but then know. again, he's he's making all the Disney films. He's he's, well, he's crowning lions. Disney films. He's, he's got lions to crown. He's got lions to crown. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah. He's, he, he's, he is King Lion. Right he's now. Hakuna Matata-ing, as it were. <laughs> but okay, so uh, should we do our first review of the week? Okay, which is which is also a sequel. Would you believe? Because we don't get no way. Not in summer. 
We never have sequels. I know, it's not a sequel. Here's the best part, though. This is a sequel that's been in the pipe for years, um, I think was completed about 18 months ago, that sat on a shelf not getting a release, and is now here in the August, well, sort of late August, early September dumping ground, where they put the films that they, they aren't sure will make any money. So guess what? There's a sequel to Goon. Goon, Last of the Enforcers, is here. Did you like Goon? You saw Goon. I really liked it. I rewatched it the other day. You did? Yeah. You said, yeah. I like Goon. I went to the cinema to see Goon. As did I. I remember seeing Goon, and there was loads of uh, OAPs there. Really? Yeah. That is strange. If it was like me and, like, 50 grannies just all there. They've remade Slapshot. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they thought. We're Stifler. <laughs> yeah, Stifler's in the Slapshot remake. Okay. Um, so, okay, here's the sequel then. Um, if you remember the original, it was about Doug the Thug Glatt, who was effectively a, a bar bouncer. He was a doorman who um, found himself invincible style, being recruited to join uh, a regional hockey team based purely on the fact that he could hit very hard and take a punch. And the first movie had this sort of rocky element where he was the underdog and he, he set up against his own personal Apollo Creed, who was Ross Ray, played by Liev Schreiber, who absolutely threatened to steal that film because he was awesome <laughs> and and that was the, the premise of the first one now it's it's an undisclosed number of years later and Doug the Thug is now married to his his romance his, his, his romantic lead from the first movie uh, Alison Pill uh, they're having their first child and he finds he has a new opponent in the form of Anders Kane played by Wyatt Russell R- Russell? No, Russell 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 I'm getting confused with Darcy Bushell then. Um, <laughs> Wyatt Russell, son of Kurt, son of Goldie, and actual ex-hockey player. He actually played mm, hockey professionally yes. in the Netherlands. I didn't know he was in the Netherlands, in but the I Netherlands. knew that he uh, played hockey. Yeah. Um, so he uh, he turns out to be um, the sort of... Whereas in the first movie, Doug had faced you know the legacy player. In this movie, he faces the new upstart, who is stronger, faster, more ruthless than he could ever be. And uh, he instantly finds himself injured to the point of forced retirement and forced to work in an office job for his wife's cousin. An office incidentally run by a brilliantly cameoing Jason Jones from The Detour, who gets what has to be the single funniest line in this movie. Um, not long, though, before this starts to you know, basically depress him and he decides to turn to Ross Ray, of all people, to train him up to get back on the ice and, and reclaim his, his title as, as the goon. And uh, this, of course, he has to do in secret against the wishes of his wife, who, as you'll hear from this clip, is pretty much trying to encourage him to move on with his life and become, you know, quote-unquote, a regular person. So how was your first day? Work? Oh, it, oh, it was so fun. Yeah, I mean, there was so many documents and phone calls to make and receive, and you sit a lot, I mean, like pretty much the whole day. You know, so it's safe. It's really safe. Plus, there's a Harvey's close by, which is good. Hey. Out of you, of us, we're doing this. It's, it's a lot, and it's crazy, but we're doing it together. A team. So, Sean Williams got Arsene Pill there, and right. Okay, here's a question for you, Mr. Allen. What made you love Goon so much? The first Goon movie. Why do you like that film so much? It was nice to see Sean Williams got not be a character like Stifler. Well, there was that. And yeah. be 
Dumb but stupid and dumb but stupid. Dumb but stupid. Dumb, that's, it works. That's it both. Works. That's it both. Does work. Uh, dumb but uh, lovable. Yeah. That's what I'm uh, well, that's <laughs> the thing. So lovable, and it was all about yeah. the character. It was quite. It was about sharply written characters, and it had a fairly generic hockey plot. But those characters are what made you love it. Here, they've sort of flipped that, and it's more about the plot than it is the characters this time around, and you feel it. It's still just as funny. That's the really weird part. There's still just as many laughs in there, but because the focus is on the plot and not the characters, you care less. And this is Jay Baruchel's actually started directing this one. He's actually this is his first feature film. Uh, he co-wrote the first one. He's co-written this one as well. He's now directing it for the first time. And there are obvious points at which his attention has been focused on the directorial side rather than the actual writing. So, for instance, Liev Schreiber's character has a storyline, and then halfway through the movie, it gets dropped, and then he gets a different storyline, and they never give either one of them a conclusion. Alison Pill gets relegated to pretty much nagging wife. Uh, Sean William Scott's character pretty much just says whatever he's feeling. Wherever it, there's not really any real emoting there, and yeah, it's, you don't care as much, but you laugh just as often. It's a very strange contradiction. I can't call it a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination because I did enjoy it. Now, to be fair, the average film critic is over forty years old. They did not laugh at this, so go, go figure mm. on that one. Uh, one criticism I heard was, was it was just the same as the first movie. To which I think, well, yeah. If you like the first movie, yeah, then what's wrong with that? It's a sequel. No one's complaining that Horrible Bosses 2 is too much like Horrible Bosses 1. I mean, it is, but, you know, it's fair enough. You enjoy the first one, you enjoy the second. Um, I will say, there's some stuff in there that, that really does, uh, d- does take away does, does uh, take away the MVP trophy in there. I really love Liev Schreiber again. I think he's brilliant in this. Wyatt Russell, really, really threatening villain. And rather than doing Rocky, which they did last time, this time it's Rocky Three, and you've even got Ross Ray, you know, Liev Schreiber stepping in as the Mister Tika, uh, the uh, Apollo, uh, Apollo Creed. Creed character, which he literally is in this scenario because you know he was last time mm. around, and it's a really good transition and it does work. Um, nothing made me laugh anywhere near as hard as I did with the that was borderline treasonous gag from the first movie, although Jason Jones does get a line that comes. Almost close. And as far as Jay Baruchel... There's no, where are my Percocets? Yeah. Have you got any Percocets? Where are my Percocets? Yeah. yeah. Number one, don't touch my Percocets. Yeah. Number two, have you got any Percocets? Uh, like I say, you'll laugh as often, and those characters are all back, and they've got the actors back to do them, and it's nice to see these characters that you loved the last time back, but you don't love those characters as much anymore because they're not given as much to enjoy. Um, there's a gag about hockey speeches and the pee hole in the plane, you know, the hole uh, uh, in, the, in the coach, you know, the, the hole in the ground? that they, they pee into when they're travelling. There's a joke about that that absolutely steals the scene. Um, there's stuff in there to really like. There's stuff in there that you won't like. TJ Miller seems to have been added in at the last minute because Jay Baruchel decided he needed less screen time. And so they've just written a sort of generic role in for TJ Miller and some great lines, but it does feel awkward and sort of out of step with the rest of the film. But for the most part, I liked it. It was it was a perfectly fine sequel. It, it's bigger, ballsier, bruisier. You know, it's kind of what you want from a hockey comedy sequel. And you know, maybe 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 D two the Mighty Ducks just spoiled us for hockey sequels. That's far and away the best. Yeah, se- it is. Isn't it? Not even best hockey sequel. Best sequel. It's one of the best sequels ever, isn't it? Better than Godfather Two. It is. It is. Godfather Two did not have <laughs> the knuckle puck. There's no knuckle puck in Godfather Two or Dark Knight. There's no Goldberg. There's no Toy Story Two didn't have a Goldberg, did it? Exactly. No, it did not. Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? what? Also, I love about that. They could have easily just had the European villain be Germany. They could have easily just had like the 
That, the the kids yeah. are German. Yeah, they could have. They could have. But no, it's it's Iceland. Iceland. That's class. That's, that's, classy. that's class. That's what that is. That's Disney yeah. being classy. That's what you get okay. when your lead character is named after two gins. Exactly. You see, yeah. isn't he just? Yeah. Gordon Bombay. Ah, <laughs> uh, the franchise that gave us Joshua Jackson. Thank you, Disney. Thank you. Now, reboot, please. Anyway, um, well, reboot call. Reboot call, I'll go with. Not reboot, reboot call. Mm. So, uh, let's plug the podcast edition real quick, uh, because we've not got any films to review in the podcast extras this week, but we have got news. Loads of news. News is fun. We live We live for news. And hashtag news. Um, so go on. iTunes, Acast, Deezer, TuneIn, any podcast platform of choice. And download the off-screen podcast station. Loads more stuff after the end credits. Plus, the moment of cage, which I know you, you get out of bed for in the morning. You, you live for the moment of cage, sir. I live for cage. But, oh, we've got a competition uh, to run this week as well. We are giving away uh, Blu-ray box sets of the 15th anniversary edition of Firefly on Blu-ray. Are you a Firefly fan? Yeah. You say it so begrudgingly. I'm, I'm not as much a fan as people seem to think I am. Oh. Is it because you, you seem kind of edgy and cool, so they assume you must be a Firefly fan? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I like it fine. No one thinks I'm edgy or cool, but everyone knows I'm a Firefly fan. Yeah, but, but you go out of your way to let people know that you're a Firefly fan. I have it literally <laughs> tattooed on my yeah. arm. <laughs> so you go to onscreenfilm.com, go in the competition section, and win Firefly's 15th anniversary Blu-ray box set. <laughs> With the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on screen radio show. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, where to next? What fair land shall we tread with our next venture? To the box office top five. Number five. Uh, Logan Lucky. Logan, you've seen Logan Lucky. I saw it last night. You did? Yeah. Um, you, you briefly told me about it earlier. What did you think of it then? Somewhat more, more detail. What do you think? Uh, I thought it was really good. Fair enough. That was detail. Mm. But the very, the very was detail. Did you say yes. it's good? That's uh, not I was, I was really like embellishing there. <laughs> very. When you add the very, that is detail. Okay. Um, let's see. I, I really liked it. I thought it was this great redneck spin on Ocean's Eleven. Thought it had things to say about class and perception. Not, not overbearingly, but it did it quite well. I thought the cast were a lot of fun. You and I agree on Adam Driver. I think in it. Mm. Um, I think Daniel Craig steals the show. It's got the relevant Steven Soderbergh slickness, the triple ass, as it were. I really loved it. Um, let's let's turn to should we turn to Twitter things this time around? Let's see what people are saying on Twitter oh, about okay. our because we can yeah. do that now. This is the thing we can. This do. is the thing we can do that we never do. So let's actually see what people have to say about the films on Twitter. So this is a good um, idea. Here we are. A man, uh, Amy Haywood says, "Finally got to see Logan. Lucky last night. Was almost in tears laughing at one point. Great performances all round." I've got to agree with Amy. Yeah, Amy's right. Well done, Amy. That, that was very good, very good, Amy. You hit it right in the head. Number four. The Emoji Movie. Can't wait to see what people say about this. <laughs> oh, oh, I've got a doozy for you right here. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, Victory Fantano says... Is that, is that the Christian name? That's the Christian name, Victory. Yeah. Victory. Yeah. Victory Fantano says, if you like Citizen Kane, then try the Emoji Movie. It's a great fit for all the Citizen Kane fans. That's completely fair. That is, it, it's also a film. I'm a big fan of uh, the cane from Citizen Kane. Yep, I, yeah. I too, I like that cane. I thought he walked very well on that cane. Was, was it about the citizen status of the cane? 
Mm. I don't really remember. This film's been in the <laughs> seven weeks, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, this is five weeks. Another film, five. seven weeks. Well, we're going to come up to. Oh, so. oh, is the other film? Okay, uh, yeah, five weeks. It's easy wow. to get these two films confused. Yeah, it's so easy to confuse yeah. Emoji yeah. Movie with other classier films because Emoji Movie is not at all a corporate shill exercise, completely at odds with its own comedic underpinnings and the need to defy said corporate trappings. But uh, yeah, enough about that. It's bright, colourful. The kids will like it. But if you're a Citizen Kane fan, you know, take Victor word for it. Check it out. Number three. Uh, the Hitman's Bodyguard. Which I've seen. You've seen it. I've now. seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. Okay, right. So it's just it's it's all right. Right, okay, so <laughs> let's 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 go with this one because you liked it. Almost every other critic in the world hated it. I agree with you. I thought you would. I do. I yeah. agree with you. You know what? This is not going to reinvent the cinematic wheel for anyone, except perhaps the terminally lobotomized, <laughs> otherwise known as King Arthur Legend of the Sword fans. But, you know what? It's an action comedy. It's got good action sequences. It's got some laughs. It's got Sam Jackson enjoying himself being Sam Jackson. Okay, Ryan Reynolds is a bit wasted, because why would you cast Ryan Reynolds as the straight man in anything? But... Yeah, this could have been like Scott Eastwood, or just someone vanilla like that. Exactly, but you know who I pitched for it? Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that would have worked. Yeah. I could have seen yeah. that. It, it would, I don't think it would have had the same same zeal, but uh, yeah. I liked it. Um, I even liked Elodie Young in it, and she's uh, not doing well in the performance stakes recently. Really? But, uh, you don't think? You don't think she's I, a, I disagree. I, I think I she's like a bit lot. Uh, watered down. Why but, do you keep talking like Stewie Griffin? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, we liked it. A lot of other critics didn't. Should we see what Twitter had to say? Uh, well, I think you already have. I have. <laughs> so, Manana Lubenik says, So disappointed in Samuel Jackson and Gary Oldman, I always considered them serious actors. Hitman's Bodyguard is terrible beyond belief. How dare they be in a comedy? I know. God. What was Sam Ac- Jackson thinking? Academy Award nomina- uh, nominees. Hang being on. in a bloody comedy. Has Sam Jackson never won an Oscar? No. Oh, my God. Nominated for Pulp Fiction, lost to Martin Landau. I love that you Edward. know these mm. I love that you know these This is this is why you 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 are so sparkly to me because you have this this great I just have this knowledge. weird knowledge about the Oscars. I don't know why. There you go. But I liked the Hitman's Bodyguard. You like the Hitman's Bodyguard. Go and see the Hitman's Bodyguard and see if you agree with us or them. Number two. Dunkirk. So Dunkirk, we are told here by Nick Wood Jones, is magnificent, totally involving and rousing. Uh, he felt a rare pride in his country, genius Christopher Nolan, and must be seen in IMAX. And then he tagged the BF5 for some reason. Hmm. There are other IMAX. Maybe that's the IMAX he saw. It, maybe it is. I'm assuming. I did not see it in IMAX. I actually did see it at the BFI IMAX. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he should, he should have just, but, just replied to him, I saw it there. Yeah, I, I saw, saw it there too. too. There you go, Nick. I saw it there too. Um, I loved it. And I loved I saw it in 70mm. I loved the hell out of it. So engrossing, so engorging, so immersive. Um, yeah, I mean, I loved the, the way it played with time. I loved the design of it. I loved the production of it. Um, uh, Hans Zimmer's score, I thought, was tremendous. Hoyt van Hoyt. Hoytema's visuals, I think, are, and I'm never going to get tired of saying Hoyt van Hoytema. Hmm. Hoyt van Hoytema's visuals are HBH. tremendous. HBH, man. Uh, but yeah, Christopher Nolan does it again, and he does it better than he's ever done it before. Great. Loved it. You? Anything? Yeah, it's all right. Number one. American Made. American I can't Made. believe this is number one. Yeah, it's been number one for two weeks. This summer has been naff. It has, hasn't it? <laughs> like, how bad are our theatrical offerings this, this last few weeks if American Made is number one, not only for one week, but two? Yeah. 
I mean, we know it's not going to be next week, but yeah. That's I think of... everyone knows what's going to be the ball next week. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but we didn't sell advertising space to Warner Brothers, so we weren't allowed to see it. Anyway, because um, this... that, that would contradict our other offer with Disney and Marvel, all the money we get from them. Yeah, yeah, it would because you know, we take money for that to, to slight DC movies. That's what it does. So we, we we have to take sides, and we chose Disney. We backed the wrong horse on this one, man. Anyway, um, American Made is fine, I guess. It's perfectly fine. It's Tom Cruise in some aviators doing a lot of smiling and being sleazy. He can do that very well. We know this. We've We've all seen seen him do it a bunch of times. Mm. And, you know, it's Doug Lyman. He can handle an action movie. He can handle Tom Cruise in an action movie because we've all seen Edge of Tomorrow. I liked it. Should we do a Twitter one? See what Twitter says? Hang on. Why not? Uh, We've got uh, American Made, engaging story, well told, always good watching Tommy C having fun on the big (laughs) screen. So says Cam Rose. Oh, Com Trues. I'm just going with Tommy C. Tommy C. Yeah, American Made. Who would have thunk it? It's it's number one. Again, don't know why. Good for them. Yeah, good good for them. Good for you, Doug Lyman. Okay, quick review of The Vault. Yes. Okay, so The Vault is this really cheap and... Cheap and not even cheerful, just cheap and nasty little horror thriller thing that stars Francesca Eastwood, a.k.a. daughter of Clint and bit player in Westworld, uh, one of Tandy Newton's bar girls. Yes, of course. So. Um... As well as uh, Taron Manning, a.k.a. the single most typecast actress of the last two decades. Because guess what? She gets to play poor white trash here as well. Because she's not doing that full-time on Orange is the New Black. And, uh, yeah, the idea... Oh, and James Franco. Sorry, we can't leave out the Franco. And the idea is, you've got two sisters and their brother who rob a bank. As one does. And then they find there's not as much money as they thought in the bank. And James Franco, who's one of their hostages in the bank, tells them that actually the reason there's not much money in the bank is because all the money's in an ancient vault below the bank, in an old bank that used to be below where the new bank is. So they send half their team down into the, into the vault in the old bank, but it turns out, get this, it's haunted. So, yeah, make of that what you will. Here's a clip. Get out! Safety deposit vault. Let's go. We're not leaving without the money. Where's the money? It's down below. That's where the real money is. In the old vault. No, it's a private vault. Antiquated. It's off the grid. people down here there's people down here so this is you know there's an old theory that the theory has been around for a couple of years that uh, you could actually feasibly write an app and and just put certain mad lib style story parameters in it and it would generate a script for you this is one of those projects that kind of confirms that theory um the concept's brilliant the concept's actually really great you know bank bank robbery and supernatural stuff great why not combine those two and Who's the guy who played one of Nero's men in Star Trek, the actor who I was conf- Clifton Collins? Clifton Collins it's, Jr. It's Clifton Collins in Clifton Collins is the cop outside the bank. He's the best thing about this film. Genuinely. Just knowing that Clifton Collins is alive and well, that's the that's the takeaway from this movie. That's the best thing about it. Other than that, it's dross. It's about ninety one minutes long, and that makes it ninety minutes too long. It goes nowhere beyond bar the absolutely predictable. Mm. There's not much style to it. I mean, I was told the trailer looked great. I've not seen the trailer, but I can absolutely imagine how that works because I'd imagine if you added some choppy choppy editing, then it probably would look quite exciting. Um, 
If I told you the twist, you'd roll your eyes. If I told you the other twist, you'd roll your eyes. And if I told you any more, you'd probably just be bored. And that's really the takeaway from it all. It is a dull, uninvolving, unappealing and uninteresting film that takes a fairly novel and gimmicky concept, does naff all with it, as you as you would so delicately put it, and really is it's a time waster. It's a Netflix release at best, and even then it's the kind of one that will sit on your would-you-like-to-continue-watching bit for about three months until you finally give in and think, no, I'm just not going to do it. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The on-screen radio show. And we're back, and I'll be more enthusiastic now, I promise. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. of a slog. bit of a slog. Yes. So, um, let's talk about a documentary called The Work, uh, which is... Did you know there's a new Folsom prison? Really? Yeah. Not, the, not the... Not the old Johnny Cash one. Not the Johnny <laughs> Cash one. Apparently there's a new Folsom prison. Presumably still in Folsom. But it's it's new Folsom prison. And... Uh, is it called new Folsom prison? New Folsom <laughs> State Prison. Yeah. yeah. And that's where this documentary takes place. It's the latest Dog Wolf one. Uh, Dog Wolf do a pretty good line of documentaries. They, they put out the occasional Duff one as well. This is neither Duff nor great this is actually this is kind of an in the middle one the problem with this one i'll get to in a moment uh we haven't got a clip for it because that you wouldn't believe that there's no clips available and you wouldn't believe the trailer they put out for it it's literally one noise repeated for 90 seconds it is the story of a a group therapy session a sort of initiative that started up at this prison in which they get all of the inmates who who are, are, are interested to come into like a communal hall together they group them off into smaller groups and they, they get them to pledge to leave all of their gang allegiances, all of their prejudices, all of their discriminations, everything at the door, and just partake in this completely open group therapy for which there are no repercussions, for which there are no consequences. Everything that happens in the room stays in the room. And you think, okay, that's a, a, a pretty novel idea, especially, you know, in, in a prison. And what you then get is actually pretty much just that, a group therapy session. For the entire duration of a feature film. And, okay, it shot pretty well. Some of the some of the patients are quite interesting. You can pretty much guess straight off the bat which ones are going to cause all the confrontations. But that's pretty much the film. Mm. It's like watching a Channel 4 Dispatches, only they've blown it out to sort of three times as long and stuck it on a cinema screen. Mm. Um, it's the kind of thing you know obviously will have done well at DocFest because it has intrinsic sort of value as a, a television work of documentary. But in, in terms of being a feature film, not an awful lot. It's not the kind of thing you wouldn't be interested long enough. And I, far too long is spent with really uninteresting cases, for example. Uh, the guy who actually runs the group seems the most interesting of all of them. And in the end of it, you come away thinking, it was interesting enough, but I really want to see it a third of the length and slapped on Channel 4 with an ad break in the middle. Which is fine, I guess. I don't know. Over to you. What news have you got for me? So what news, my lord? Uh, Sam Rockwell is going to be playing uh, George W. Bush, which is pretty exciting. In what film? In Cheney. No way, really. Which is the Adam McKay film uh, starring Christian Bale as Dick Cheney, who, of course, was uh, <laughs> vice president to George uh, George W. Bush. Is this going to be a makeup job? Is it got to it, be? Hasn't well, it? they will all be because Christian Bale looks nothing like Dick Cheney, so of well, course it all will be. Now you know what? I, 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 for any other actor, I would just assume makeup job, but when it's Christian Bale, I don't know. Yeah, he might just get like yeah, Christian Bale <laughs> just might, carve his face to look like he Dick might Cheney. just pile on weight, start shaving his head he a will, bit. He will almost certainly be piling on weight, He'll piling on weight, shaving his head a bit, just snarling at people. He would look like Dick Cheney. Yeah, if anyone could make themselves look like Dick Cheney, it's Christian Bale. Christian Bale's your man. 
<laughs> Christian Bale is your man. If Christian Bale wants to look like one of the cast members of My Little Pony, I'm pretty sure he could make himself do that. But uh, his new trailer's out at the minute, isn't it? Uh, Hostiles. Uh, Hostiles, yeah. I've not the pleasure uh, Scott Cooper. I don't know how I feel about Scott Cooper as a director. Is he the not a big Out of the Furnace his... director? Yeah, and Black Mass. And oh, yeah. And something else, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I've just always been a bit... I liked Out of the Furnace, but not Black Mass. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the Furnace was a sweet... It was all right. Decent, yeah. decent parts. Christian Bale performance is the best thing in it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, by the way, uh, I had an idea while we were, whilst we were off. I was watching This Is 40... And mm. uh, uh, I like that film. Billy Joe from Green Day turns up in a cameo in it. He does. Right. Hear me out on this one. Casey Affleck for the Time of Your Life for the Green Day story. Yeah, but Billy Joe is an actor now as well. So just, get, just get Billy Joe. Yeah. When did he start acting? He brought a film out last year where he's like playing the lead. And uh, I think it's just something he's into. Okay. Just get Billy Joe as Billy Joe. By the way, I don't <laughs> you know, be able to sound like Billy Joe, so that's good. I don't know the particulars of what I'm about to tell you, by the way, but there was a screening being tested yesterday at Soho House, and I did catch, like, ten seconds of it. There is a feature-length Depeche Mode documentary on the way at some point. So uh, we, have that, we have that to look forward to. Love me some Depeche Mode. And you know the best part? If it's rubbish, I'm just going to play the chorus from It's No Good over and over again. But uh, Shall we speak about something that is partially good? Yes. Okay, Inseriated, which is oh, not, yeah. not a real word. I, I gathered. It's totally made up in Syria, but uh, right, which is uh, the story of uh, a mother in in an apartment during the Syrian war. So as the Syrian war is going on outside, um, you're, you're not told that it's Syria. Strangely, the title is the only way you know where this is set, because it's weirdly period non-specific as well. This really could be set in the 70s and 80s in Iran, you know, like under the shadow was. Mm. And uh, the general gist is that all the men are either off at war or dead. And it's left to the families and, and, you know, the kids and the elderly to sort of huddle into the apartment, deadlock themselves in, and basically shut her down and wait for the war to end. Which, of course, you don't know how long that's going to take. Could be ages. And, uh, well, they have to find, they find themselves having to defend their home, having to survive, having to keep as much food as they can going. And it's a really tense, really interesting drama. You wouldn't think it, but it, it, Actually, that concept does give you something to sink your teeth into. It is really, really engaging and really pacey. There's something quite creepy to the atmosphere about it. There's something quite acidic in the atmosphere of it. It feels like it... it, it it's quite a grimy film that leaves a nasty taste in the back of your throat. But it's, it's a female-led... It's about these two mothers, really. It's a female-led drama about sort of, uh, you know, the, the family protector and about sort of about survival in war, about the, the you know, the, the human element of, of survival survival which is something we had that in a film recently i can't remember which one what did we have that had that in you, you remember these films as well i do no the revenants the revenants <laughs> <laughs> by the way it's on now tv all the time i keep catching like five minutes of it and it says there's only another hour left i'm like i'm not watching an hour of a three-hour movie i'll watch yeah. the whole thing and nothing <laughs> But uh, but no, um, definitely worth checking. I really really got on with this film. Um, I'd say I, it was really period non-specific. It was quite uh, purposefully vague, but atmospheric. Great performances at the centre of it all. It is entirely subtitled as well. Uh, it occurs on release, so you know, pop down, pop down that one. But yeah, recommend it. Loved it. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The on-screen radio show. 
And we're back. So, Mr. Allen, pepper me out with some news. What are you off me? Um, do you know that Shia LaBeouf was the best thing in uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? <laughs> Strangely, yes. Shia LaBeouf was, in fact, the best thing about yeah. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, too bad, because he won't be back for Indy 5. Oh, shucks. Oof. What are we going to do? It's all right, because he's not an actor anymore. He's turned himself into a paper bag, hasn't he? Shia Can't LaBeouf? we just give Alex Zane a haircut and send him down? He's not an actor, is he? Actually, he is. Arguably, neither is Well, true. Not anymore. I am just going to point out, though, that as Sky Movies will remind you at this present moment in time, Alex Zane is an actor. He stars in the movie Ibiza Undead. Yes, well, I'm never going to meet him, so... Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) He's not. (laughs) So what else we got? I can't believe that no Shia LaBeouf. Give it up on that Um, one. Apparently, The Crow isn't dead. No, really? Yeah, it is now... At Sony Pictures, and it has been round. Oh How many studios has it been to at this point? And I think it's only two studios. It's it's something it's like just... five directors and five leads now, though. Oh, it's more than five leads. Is it? Yeah, got to <laughs> right. be. Who have you got on your list of people? Because I I think I've I've lost. I've got Jack Houston. I've got go Bradley Cooper. Okay, Tom Hiddleston. Yep, McAvoy. Yep, Houston. Uh, Jack Houston. Yeah, Jack Houston. Uh, Luke Evans. Uh, Jason Momoa I'm missing some ones that were before Bradley Cooper oh. as well but that's six that's okay I had it as three so yeah you got me mm. and then well apparently we've lost the director now as well so no Corin Hardy anymore and yeah because Corin Hardy is doing The Nun yeah it just begs the question the, uh, who wants this movie Conjuring spinoff I I did want it at one point really? about yeah about five years ago I thought of course that makes mm. sense but then it's taken so long and what's the point now <laughs> it's just like Where's the, I want to know where they think the audience is for this film because it's Robocop again It's you're not going to get the original fans in because the original is such a timeless classic to that fan base and if you make references to the original then the original fans aren't there so who's it for but yeah, yeah I mean eh. I mean it'll eh. happen one way or the other I just wish that awesome. I could can't we just all give Sony our ticket money and they just promise not to make the film <laughs> so we're just going to be out of pocket yeah. and we're not entertained we'll just give them our 12 quid and they agree not to make the film. I mean, and, we, and we never talk about it again. Yeah, I mean, I'll do that with any future Maze Runner sequels, if I'm honest, but... <laughs> Maze Runner, or what other series is terrible now? I can't remember. Star Wars. Nah, it's getting that way. It's, it's, it's going to get that way very shortly. Keep firing directors. Keep firing directors and finding less interesting replacements. It's probably going to get that way, yeah. I'm sorry, but does anyone want a Ron Howard Star Wars movie? Was anyone screaming out for that? I wasn't screaming out for a Han Solo film. No, no, to be fair. Yeah. Well, my thing was always, it's just going to be five. I have, I have no issue with Ron Howard. I really like Ron Howard. I like it's Ron just... Howard. Ron Howard's fine. Doing Ron Howard films. I, th- I feel like that's that's always a thing. No one's like, Ron Howard's great. It's like, Ron Howard's really fine. Yeah, Ron Howard's fine. I, I'm doing Ron I, Howard films. I love Apollo 13 when I was a kid. Oh, man, I love Apollo 13. I caught that recently. Loved it. Yeah, but, well, that's uh, Yeah, so, no, I'd say, uh, I am glad I finally got to watch Hitman's Bodyguard, though. That, uh... I know this is completely unrelated, but I am mm. glad I finally got to watch it. <laughs> I, I was starting thinking this is going to suck now after all this. It's like it. It is probably going to suck now that I couldn't get to see it this week. But one thing that didn't suck, let us talk about Wind River. Mm. Are you, are you, how aware of you of this film? I'm interested. Um, yeah, pretty aware. I've been following okay. it closely. So this is the, the not the directorial debut but the second directorial effort from Taylor Sheridan, who wrote Sicario, who wrote Hell or High Water. I'm sure he's written other things, and I've just not forgotten them, but this is sort of an unofficial trilogy now. And he did direct a horror film six years ago called Vile, 
Now, I've never seen that. I don't know anyone that has. I've not asked John Dickinson, so I don't know. Um, But it doesn't seem to be particularly highly regarded by anyone. No one remembers seeing it. So, anyway, he's directed this, and, uh, well, it's Taylor Sheridan writing, so you know it's going to be a cheerful rom-com. So, the general gist here is you have Jeremy Renner. Charismatic old Jeremy Renner. Except now there's a twist. He's playing but basically a Rod Steiger character. So, Jeremy Renner is Rod Steiger, who is a hunter slash tracker. He's also divorced from a Native American woman with whom he has a child and through whom he has a connection to the residents of a local Native American reserve. Uh, Reservation, sorry, not reserve. And uh, one day he discovers um, a dead 17-year-old girl whom he actually knows uh, via familial connection, her body in the snow, and he is forced to team up with a very relatively green FBI agent played by Elizabeth Olsen in order to, you guessed it, find the killer. Uh, an investigation which, of course, will test his loyalties, will test her abilities, and, of course, test them both against the elements themselves. So here's a clip that sets up where you go. And remember, this is written and directed by Taylor Sheridan, who wrote Sicario. How well do you know this land? Like it's my job? Because it is. Well, is there anywhere she could be running from? Is there anything close by? Nearest house is three and a half miles from here, southeast. Sam Littlefeather's place is over there. Yeah. Those boys could use some serious looking into. There are no structures closer? There's a drill rig five miles from here. They got trailers for the workers, but that's closed for the winter. Okay, so why would a teenage girl be out here? Well, kids come out here on their snow machines and uh, have a big party in the snow. Not barefoot, they don't. Right, no one's ever watching this as a date movie. That's that's for sure. Uh, it is. It's, why not? It's about why not? why not? Well, it's about as hard boiled a procedural as you can get. But yeah, I mean, unless you're I've, the... I've seen Vera will be blood on a date. What's your point? Yes, but you're a sexually very exciting man. I am less so. I am. I, I like to say I drink your milkshake in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I say wobble lubber dub dub, but okay. <laughs> Anyway, that just went off in a really dark direction. <laughs> Next case. <laughs> but you know what? Dark direction in this film kind of makes sense. So um, I loved this. I absolutely loved this. Um, it looks gorgeous. This should be on an IMAX screen. It looks stunning. In fact, because of the fact that it's set in the snow, that it's a procedural, that it has certain psychological thriller aspects, it reminds you an awful lot of Insomnia. Mm. Uh, you know, the sort of lesser regard to Christopher Nolan movie, which, if you've never seen HD, is just something that will take your eye out. Um, Elizabeth Olsen follows in the tradition of Emily Blunt in bringing a very sharply written Taylor Sheridan female character to life. Uh, Jeremy Renner gets to really play on his strong suit here, which is obviously doing the whole almost deadpan, very grizzled persona. And it works. It is a Rod Steiger role, played by Jeremy Renner, and it really, really works. Um, That's it. Oh, oh, and just when you think it can't get any better, about halfway in, and this isn't really a surprise because his name is on the opening credits, Johnny Berndtall turns up. Because it's a Taylor Sheridan movie, of course, and... If there's one thing we know, it's that Taylor Sheridan likes to write a scene in in which John Bernthal could show up and something horrible happens. Because Sicario. But, uh, yeah. Uh, By the way, John Bernthal, uh, Punisher trailer, did you see that? I did. Did you love? Of course. Excellent. Um, 
Yeah, this is really something. It is, uh, and it's one of those those great scripts that kind of knows how to play with character development as an actual story beat, rather than having to then you know, just use it to pad out the plot. It works very well. It balances out brilliantly against the procedural elements. I was riveted. I was gripped. I thought, actually, this is amazingly shot. To say the guy has literally directed one of the film, I mean, he he tries for villain nerve territory. He really tries, but he doesn't get there. Mm. And he hasn't got Roger Deakins. So he is Roger Deakins in Scario, isn't it? Yes. Yes. He hasn't got Roger Deakins, so it didn't quite work. Um, it does land closer to Insomnia, though. And if you're going to take a swing and a miss and miss, you know what? There are far worse places to miss than landing by Christopher <laughs> Nolan. So, you know, give him that. Um, so, yeah, hands down, film of the week. Big fan. Loved it. Yeah, really look forward to it, actually. Yeah, it strikes me as something you would very much enjoy on a date night, no, no less. <laughs> we did Logan Lucky last night. So yeah. why, why not follow that up with Wind River? No, but, but we're just going to stay home and watch Say Low. I think that's. Oh, uh, well. Yeah. yeah. Probably a nice date movie. <laughs> uh, have we got anything new, nothing new on uh, on Sicario's sequel? Is it Soledad? Uh, Soldado. 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 Uh, nothing, nothing yet, um, although it's just, it, it is coming. That's all we know. Ah, fair enough. Well, next week, interesting stuff next week. Um, one I think you were looking forward to, which is Mother. Yes. Uh, Aronofsky. That seems to come around really fast. It really does, doesn't it? So yeah. that's uh, Jennifer Lawrence. We still don't uh, know anything about it. No one does. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. It's a film, presumably. It's a film. It's got Javier Bardem in it and Jennifer Lawrence and... and who else? Michelle Pfeiffer's in it, isn't she? Uh, yeah, uh, Ed Harris, uh, Donald Gleeson. Don't, Donald Gleeson. Yes. He's just in everything. He's the new Sam Jackson. He is. He's like a, he's like a, a, <laughs> well, they, they look so similar. He's a much paler, more Irish Sam Jackson. That's who he is. Um, American Assassin next week. Yeah, which is an 18. Yeah, you told me this. I yeah. can't believe it. I, I, I want to know why why yeah. it's an 18. I feel like it's quite rare to have an 18 nowadays. <laughs> Rated 18 for excessive Michael Keatoning. Yeah. <laughs> Best Keatoning in a Keaton performance. It goes to Michael Keaton. <laughs> no, it goes to Eddie Redmayne. We all know oh, that. Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, My Pure Land is next week. Don't know an awful lot about that one. But one thing I do know something about, because it, well, I know who it comes from, the good people at Pure Flix. Their new film is next week. Remember Pure Flix? They made the cinematic juggernauts God's Not Dead yes, and God's Not so. Dead 2. And they're releasing The Case for Christ, the case for Christ next mm, week. Case spelled K-A-S-E. Of course. <laughs> I, just have a, I just have an image of you now with a picket sign saying, I am for Christ. Yeah, but, down with this sort of thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Almost Heaven is next week. The Villainess is next week. I've heard about that one. Uh, and, of course, one that's uh, been quite widely marketed, Victoria and Abdul is next week. Because it turns out there's a queen that Judy Dench hasn't played yet. She's so, already played it. I know. This is the way she's doing it again. <laughs> when, when did she play this one? Someone told me. I can't remember when she played. Uh, in Mrs. Brown. Oh, which of course. I want to say is 1997, probably wrong. Uh, I think it's 97 or 98, actually. Yeah, yeah around, around what, about 97 or 98. Uh, Billy it. Connolly is Mr. Brown. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Really good film, actually. I knew she had played at some point, but I couldn't remember in what yeah. film. But uh, yeah, so that's to come next week. So, in the meanwhile. Uh, don't forget to go on the uh, onscreenfilm.com website in the competition section and win Firefly box sets 15th anniversary Blu-ray box sets win one it's awesome if you haven't seen Firefly what have you been doing with your time see it it's amazing <laughs> best show in the verse anyway um, in the meanwhile this has been the Candy Store British for On Screen I've been Van Connor I've been Goon Last of the Enforcers <laughs> and we'll be back next week just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way you've been listening to Offscreen 
For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. And we're back, and we have coffee, so we can be marginally more awake for like three whole minutes. So, should we leap back at it as well? Make it fast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's rapid fire some film news, you and me, one at a time. You want to go first, or should I? I'll give you the pleasure. All right, you know Michael Showalter, who did uh, The Big Sick? Yes, and he's in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Is he? A bunch of stuff. I thought he looked familiar. Yeah. He's oh. he's like he's one of the main guys behind that. Oh, okay, that, show slash film. That, that makes a lot of sense now that you say it. Um, he's taking a, a new gig. He's going to direct the last ride of Cowboy Bob. I don't know what that is. Right, this is actually a true story. This is a female bank robber in uh, in in the nineties who evaded capture by disguising herself as a man. And right. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they pull this one off because this is going to be a lot of fun. I feel like it's one of those, first of all, this needs to be Kate McKinnon. No, it needs to be Glenn Close in the 80s. <laughs> That's what it needs. <laughs> you tried to Albert Nobbs We this. need Albert Nobbs. <laughs> everything, everything needs what Albert Nobbs. Everything needs my Nobbs. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I watched Baywatch and thought, we need some Albert Nobbs in this. <laughs> right, sorry. Over to you, sir. What's, what's your take now? Um, did we talk about the fact that uh, Michael K. Williams... Yeah. Shorty White himself is uh, dropping out of the Han Solo film. Did we talk about that? I don't think... I don't know if we did or not. I know. Okay. Let's do it anyway. Michael Williams. Yeah. Shorty White himself. Yeah. Is dropping out... Always dropped out of the Han Solo film. Um, <laughs> mainly just I due like to... set that up too much. Yeah, right? um, due to uh, scheduling, he had uh, other projects. And because they were doing all the extensive reshoots with uh, Ron Howard, oh, unfortunately, course, yeah. he couldn't do it, which is a massive shame because he evidently really wanted to do it and I really wanted him to do it because I really love him. I know. And would you believe he squandered his MCU role on what's basically a bit part in Incredible Hulk? Oh, man, I even forgot about that. Yeah, he's just there in Harlem in, in Incredible Hulk. Well, you know, mul- you can play multiple people yeah. now in the MC. Like, Alfred Woodard is, she's she's in there twice, doesn't she? She is, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was also so worth noting, fine. they never mentioned Incredible Hulk at any point during Luke Cage, which is set in Harlem. So, mm. you know, you think they'd mention their streets were all destroyed at one point. I think but, we would talk about that. Uh, um, on the Han Solo one, uh, yeah. Paul Bettany, we've not talked about that. That's what I was leading yeah. to. Yeah, got right. Yep, uh, Paul Bettany has now joined, um, and he wasn't replacing Michael Williams, but it turns out, yes, he is replacing Michael Williams. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Williams' character was supposed to be half human, half alien. Okay. And that's something that you never really see it. in Star Wars, is it? You never really see half humans in Star Wars. Well, we were going to, and now we're not. Now he's just going to be full human yeah. due to time constraints. So that's why we could have got pretty much anyone. And because Ron Howard has worked with Paul Bettany so many times, yeah. that's all I get vision. This would be the third, won't it? The uh, Da Vinci so. and Da Vinci and Beautiful Mind, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we were denied Paul Bettany in Rush, which, of course, was the role he was born to play. But uh, I actually kind of think he'd have made a better uh, better lead in Rush than Chris Hemsworth, but that's just me. Mm. But, uh, okay, um, Frank Grillo and Joe Carnahan have a production company together. Do you know this? No. They have a company together called War Party. That's great. It's, it's good, isn't it? Well, they've done Wheelman together, which is going to be on Netflix yes. in October. They've got um, a reimagining of The Raid coming up as well. Yeah, they do. Yeah, mm. and they've now decided, they, they've teamed up with a Calgary-based investment group, and they are going to make four or five l- lower-than-$20 million budgeted films targeted exclusively at Hispanic audiences. So, yeah, your look oh. kind of says it all. 
Yeah, okay. That's, that's, and do you know what the initiative is called? The War Chest Fund. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome, isn't it? I feel like that's just how Frank Grillo thinks. Just, <laughs> what should we call it, Frank? The War Chest. War something. It's got war I in mean, he, he would have been a great Punisher, I feel. <laughs> I feel like Frank Grillo doing DIY. Pass me my war hammer. Yeah. He would have been a good Punisher. Mm. Um, however, I really liked him as Crossbones. I just wish they'd done more That's with him. Mm. I would have liked to have seen more of him. Or, you know, just have him go on to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a bit. That would have been good. Yeah. yeah. You know. Just have him be like the season villain on Agents yeah, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, that would have been good, wouldn't it? Yeah. And apparently uh, Justice League Mortal was going to feature a fight between Superman and Wonder Woman. Which oh. would have been ace. Kind of would have, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But according to Jay Baruchel, it would have been the greatest film ever made. So, you know. Um, I feel like it would have been pretty great. It would have. It would have. It would absolutely yeah. have been. The script is freely available online. Is it? Yeah, yeah the script, they, they actually, I'd they like intentionally it, released it. It is actually quite good. It is actually, it's quite a good read. If you imagine, because you imagine the actors that were cast in the role, so you imagine Army Hammer as Batman, and Adam Brody as the Flash. Adam Brody would have been a great Flash. He would have, wouldn't he? Who did we have down for uh, Aquaman? I forget Aquaman now. They did have an Aquaman. Because wasn't... Martian Manhunter uh, Immortan Joe which is great yes yes he yeah. was he really was yeah I know Megan Gale was Wonder Woman uh, yeah and you can see pictures of her yeah they did a costume test didn't they yeah. no costume test of Army Hammer as Batman though strangely shame I would have liked to have seen that I'd so like to see him as Batman I, I, I think he could pull off being a Batman actually. I'm a massive Army Hammer fan well you know what? he's he's no uh, Gabriel Mark though and that's that's Batman to me so that needs to happen. If they're going to recast uh, Ben Affleck, I say uh, give Gabriel Matt the chance before he gets a little bit too old. I say, come on, Janet Wallace. <laughs> of course you do. That's your answer to everything. Who should, who should be the shark from Jaws, guys? Come on, Janet Wallace. There we are. Slash Ben Affleck. Uh, well, ben Affleck should never be Batman. <laughs> speaking of an Affleck, Casey Affleck's got his first, picked his first post-Oscar role. Yes. He's uh, some with Joe Wright. The new Joe Wright film. That's cool. It's called Stoner. Which I can't help but feel is false advertising for a movie starring Casey Affleck. Uh, it's going to be about William Stoner. It's set in the 18th, 19th century. It's about a man who faces a life of depressing circumstances. Oh. That's literally the movie to which he comes. So it's, it's not like Woody Harrelson starring Stoner. No. Although, you know, if you're the star in a movie about a guy who has nothing but depressing things happen to him, why would you It'd get be the guy? Case, the yeah. Case Allen story. Why would you get the guy who just started Manchester by the Sea? <laughs> that's a laugh riot that film yeah I think he's been through enough I feel like Casey Affleck should only be in comedies now for the rest Stop, of his life he's already dead <laughs> says his soul um, right did you know that there is going to be an officially sanctioned Dracula prequel yes yes there mm. is it's called Dracul Dracul co-written by Dacre Stoker why do I know that name because he's written loads of Dracula novels. Oh, Stoker. The, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he is the great grandnephew yes. of, of course. Bram Stoker. Mm. So, Who is directing it? Oh, yeah, this is where it gets particularly... Please, enjoy this, Mr. R. Please take uh, I unfortunately can't, because I still don't know how you pronounce his surname. I haven't considered it. It's, it's is Andy it? Mush... Is, I want to say Muschietti. I will say Muschietti. Because I don't want to say... Machete. Machete don't text. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Machete don't do it. I didn't realise, is it his wife who's the producer? I think so, Barbara yeah. Machete. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, they're lining this up. They have said, for him to direct in a few years... Do it too first. Yeah, d- do it too. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
that's what you call. Just do it too. Do it too. Yeah. Have you heard about the kids from uh, from it? The mm. the losers. They've been like dream casting who they want to be. Oh, that's, like their adult that's cast cool. Because that's what happens in yeah in, yeah. It's is them as uh, as adults. As, as yeah. adults. Yeah. You'll never find anyone as fine as Annette O'Toole, though. I mean, she was great in that mm. movie. I'm uh, very fine. Finn Wolfhard, who is uh, in New It. A.K.A. the greatest named child actor ever. It's over with uh, Max Records. Yeah. Which is also a good name. Uh, he wants uh, Bill Hader to be him. Ooh, I could see that. That's great. I could really see yeah. that. It's going to be really interesting when they cast those the, the, those the, those actors, mm. though. But uh, so I haven't seen it yet. I'll see it tomorrow, and I'll let you know. And, and I we can talk about it next week. I am so excited. I am as well. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, over to you. Is it is it your turn for a news or mine? I can't remember. Uh, whatever. Okay, right, I'll take one. I'll take one. Okay. Um, oh, um, the next Insidious movie has a title and a trailer. Mm. It's called The Last Key, and it opens on January twelfth. It's called Two In. Too serious. <laughs> Is there an audience out there for these anymore? I mean, I know they basically make money. Yeah, people, but... well, people go to them, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, we didn't talk about the whole uh, Ed Screen Hellboy thing. No, we didn't. Which was pretty big news. It, it was. It was. Well, we were off that week. And pretty uh, commendable as well. Um, so he decided to uh, depart uh, Hellboy. Because mm. his character, unbeknownst to him, is of uh, Japanese-American um, uh, descent. And he's he's obviously taken a stand. And he is a white British man. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, um, he's, he's very not Japanese. Definitely, yeah. Nor um, American. He he signed on not knowing because but the name, it, yeah, you you wouldn't really. I don't think you could tell from the name. I guess it's only then. It's only when he well, only when you realise that he took a stand on having to play a Japanese American that you realise I've never seen him play an American. So. Yeah, because yeah, he, he's British in... He's British uh, in Deadpool. Deadpool yeah. He's British in The Transporter. He's, is he? He's essentially British in Game of Thrones. I, I can never tell if Jason Statham was meant to be British or American in The Transporter movies. Statham has never been anything other than... Statham? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, I think... Like, other than Statham. On his passport, he just yeah. says Statham. He just says With Statham. an F. Yeah, nationality. <laughs> Statham. <laughs> Are you here for business, pleasure, or Stathaming? <laughs> uh, stay for me. <laughs> um, right, so you know uh, those Spider-Man spin-off things that Sony are trying to get off the ground. Yes. Well, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel again, and they've come up with Night Watch. You see, I I like the idea of Night Watch, but I think it should be a show somewhere. It sounds like a really good idea for a show. This is a, I, I'm not terribly familiar with the character. This is an era of Spider-Man that I know surprisingly little, and I thought I knew quite a bit. About it's kind of it's like a weird time travelly thing, isn't it? Is it his, his future? So he's a his, doctor his, who encounters yeah. his future self in a superhero costume and then nicks the costume. Yeah. And it's a nano costume that just looks an awful lot like Spawn. Mm. Okay. It looks loads like Spawn. Well, apparently there was there was legal threats over the fact that it was uh, borrowing a lot like, from Spawn. What, what was it called again? So it was it Nightwatch? Nightwatch, Nightwatch. Yeah. Uh, there was a bit of a uh, nondescript name as well. Is a bit. But, um, they want Spike Lee to direct it. Yeah. Is that going to happen? That's I don't think I don't think it's going to happen. No. He's, he's got more sense than that. Spike Lee would direct, like, a Black Panther sequel. Like, I'm surprised he didn't... Oh, I'm sur- I would see that. I know, I would. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't try and beat down Ryan Coogler to direct the first one. <laughs> Nobody beats the Coogs. <laughs> no one beats the Coog. Speaking of which, apparently uh, Creed Two's in the film next year. Yeah, and Ivan Drago's going to be in it, and he will fight Rocky, and I... I need it now. I, I do as well. I'm, I'm 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 a big fan of Creed. I love Creed so much. Um, oh oh, here's some, I don't know if you caught this one. Our boy Johnny Bernthal. Yeah yeah, I did see this. He's going to be in uh, First Man. 
which is um, the story of the, the story of <laughs> Neil how we became humans. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the story of uh, what is it when we go to the moon? I'm really tired. I'm NASA. sorry. <laughs> NASA case. <laughs> it's about it's about space. It's about um, that bloke who went that into guy the sky. Won an Oscar this year, and <laughs> he's like he's twelve in TV Guide Middle Island. He's about twelve. Yep. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, so John Berthold's going to be in uh, First Man with your boy uh, Kyle Chandler. Mm. So we've got that and, to look uh, forward to. Corey Stoll. And Corey Stoll. And of course, uh, Ryan Mr. Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Mr. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Let's never forget. The lead. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Gosling, who's yeah. kind of. I feel like Jason Clarke should join about. I don't know why. I just feel like it'd be a cast. Because it's, be... it's surprising he isn't in it. Yeah. 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 General, yeah. I, I just feel like he, he would fit well yeah. in that. There's only so many 40 something white American actors you can get before you have to have Jason Clarke in Clark, there yeah. for contractual reasons. Mm. I feel like he's got his own union going or something. <laughs> but, oh, we're getting a female led Lord of the Flies remake. Yes. Lord of the Fly, Lord of the Butterflies. No, you're saying that men can't like butterflies either. No, well, hey, hey, don't you judge my tramp stamp. Surely, ladies of the flies, ladies of the flight. There we are. See that works. <laughs> I don't know. Uh... <laughs> ladies of the flies, <laughs> ladies of the flies. Apparently, John Cena is a front runner for Shazam. Yes, bye. That's an obvious one, isn't it? Bye. Well, yeah. How has that not already been sold? Like, how do you not? How does that? How is that not an easy choice? Apparently, Army Hammer was someone else in the running. Also, again, great. Yeah, I feel like John Cena kind of answers a lot of questions. We ain't that. seen John Cena and The Rock in a film yet, and this has to be the one that yeah. it happens in. I need John Cena to fight The Rock in a film. Yes, I do, and we're not getting. I don't think Daddy, Daddy's Home Three is going to have that. So no. <laughs> All right, should we should we end on end on one? Because I think this is quite an interesting story. Yeah, uh, Mark Webb, not a director I'm ever terribly excited by, if I'm honest. Well, Five Hundred Days of Summer is great. It was two Spider-Man movies together, and one uh, Gifted, one Gifted, which I quite liked. Yeah, Gifted is very good. So he's now going to direct. Um, you know the Westboro Baptist Church. I do. I was talking about it today, actually. Ah, you know the daughter who fled the church and took her younger sister with mm. her. Her story. He's going to make her story. That'll be cool. That's just an interesting one. Yeah, yeah I like she. That. She apparently questioned the church. She was. She questioned all her beliefs because of Twitter. She got into a discussion with someone on Twitter that made her question her beliefs, which means. That actually can happen. It can drag people away from Westboro Baptist Church. It can make people president. Is there nothing Twitter can't do? <laughs> I always thought, who the hell pays attention to what people say on Twitter? Now we know. On which note, do you want to do you want to cue up the clip? Here it is, your moment of cage. I'll tell you what, if it's a high card, I'll tell you who I am, and if it's a low card, I'll tell you who you are. Is that a deal, Joker? Joker. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a hell of a card trick. 